God didn't have to spare, not because I didn't want to be here. I wanted to be here, but God could have had other plans for me. But I'm grateful to be able to stand in his presence with you and be able to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords tonight. He is worthy to be praised. Can we give him one more hand clap of praise? Thanking him for his goodness. Thanking him for his mercy. Oh, God, you're so good. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I bless your name, oh, Lord. Amen. Welcome to the house of the Lord tonight. Welcome to those who are watching online for our Bible study. It's been a while since we've had a midweek Bible study. But we're kicking off a series of lessons tonight. And I get to be the, first, the one to go and feel it for everybody else who comes after me in the coming weeks. But it is a wonderful um, lesson. God, I believe that God is going to speak to our hearts tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 22, verses 1 and 2. Psalms 22, verses 1 and 2. Give honor to our pastor, our leader, Pastor Linder and Sister Lisa Linder. Thank God for them. And um, I, they're, they're wonderful folks. And I thank God for Heavenview. I thank God for this church. Thank God for you. And I, and I was thinking this evening, I just wanted to give a thank you and a shout out. I know we're in the middle of a prayer revival. We're having a prayer revival right now. But I know many of you, before our prayer revival even started, if not all of you, you were praying. And what the thing, thought that came to my mind was, I want to thank everyone who prays for the services every week. You pray for each speaker that comes up, no matter, regardless of who they are. You're always going before the throne of grace every day. God, I pray for my pastor. I pray for the ones who get up to, to teach the word. I pray for our service. I give honor to you today for always staying that, that course and always praying to the Lord, regardless of who's here in front of you. Psalms 22, 1 through 2. The psalmist David wrote, and this will sound very familiar to you. It said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night seasoned and am not silent. Let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. Thank you. Thanking you for your word, Lord God, your anointed word. Pray that you would anoint us tonight, O oh Lord God, as we hear from you, that we would receive your word, O oh Lord. Speak to our hearts and our minds, O oh Lord. Change us tonight, Lord, with your word. Wash our hearts and our minds with your word tonight. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. The title of this first um, lesson tonight is Strength in Suffering strength and suffering. And I do have to start off by saying I have bad news and I have good news for you tonight. And you know what? It, they're, they're straight out of the word of God, the bad news and the good news. They're both promises. Unfortunately, one is a promise and we're glad for the other one. The bad news first, suffering is a natural part of our lives. Everybody say, yeah. yeah. Not really. I don't like that. Job 14.1 says, Job said it this way. He said, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. I wouldn't say that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 
And then we go to Matthew chapter 5, verses four, verse 45, picking up. It says, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. This is Jesus speaking. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now for the good news. Romans 8, 28. And we know all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Now you got to give a bigger shout out than what you gave for the bad news. Thank God. Thank God for the good news. God will give strength to people who turn to him in their suffering. Psalms 46 verse 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Many children of God or many people believe that because we are children of God, we should not struggle. Now, we don't go around admitting this to people and saying it to people with our mouths, but sometimes we can get that sense because of the reaction to how we deal with suffering. You know, when we deal with trials and tribulations and when troubling, those things come into our lives, it really, really um, shows what kind of people that we are, what we're expecting. In Acts chapter 14, there's a story as Paul and, and Barnabas were traveling and, and preaching the word of God. Paul and Barnabas prayed for a man in Lystra or Lystra. The man had never walked in his life and was before, and after they prayed for him, he was healed. He leapt up, and when they prayed, and so the Gentiles who were around witnessed the miracle and began to say to Paul and Barnabas, you must be gods. They started calling them Zeus. They started to begin wanting to worship them, and Paul and Barnabas said, no, 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 you can't do that. And so they did, Paul and Barnabas did everything in their power to restrain the people from worshiping them. And then, after these people were so ecstatic for what they saw, the healing that took place, a group of unbelieving Jews came and turned the people against Paul and Barnabas. And in a sudden turn of events, they almost stoned Paul to death. In fact, Paul was stoned laying under a heap of rocks. They dragged him outside the city to basically leave him there for dead, and then he sprang back up and started preaching the gospel again. God protected him. So the people went from that miraculous occasion. And after these unbelieving Jews got a hold of these Gentiles and told them that, you know, this is not right what they're saying and speaking. The people went from praise and adoration in one moment to almost killing Paul and Paul in another moment. The struggles and unfairness of life can happen in a moment's time. All they, although they were the disciples, Paul was able to, do, to escape. Paul, Luke would write, it about, write about it in Acts chapter 14, verse 22. He said, in strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. As great a man as the apostle Paul was, he suffered and endured many hardships. In fact, his life was an example to us that God's holy and faithful people will suffer. 
This is not all bad news tonight. But this is where we are. This is a world. I read the scripture before that says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But Paul himself testified in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Our troubles and our trials come for a reason. Our sufferings come to help us and to help others. They also come to put the devil and his demons on notice by letting them know that we love and serve God because of who he is and not because of what he has done for us. Not just because of what he's done for us. In Psalm 46 verse 1, we just read it. He's our refuge and our strength. And then verse 2 began, begins with, therefore we will not fear. We will not fear. And so times will come when trouble will come into our lives and suffering. And it will seem to come out of nowhere. Come out of left field as it were. And we're crying out to God and looking up to God and saying, God, what is this? <clears throat> Excuse me, where did this come from? Job, you know the story very well. Many of most of you know the story very well. Job had to deal with an unexpected, unexpected test in his life. He didn't ask for it, and he didn't do anything to warrant it. So one day, the angelic sons of God went to present themselves before God. And at the same time, a bored Satan decided to join the holy meeting. Apparently, Satan was looking to accuse the righteous like he always does. And he just couldn't really find anyone to suit himself who he could trouble or accuse. And in Job chapter 1, verses 7 through 8, the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who, one who fears God and shuns evil? In this unique and casual conversation between God and the devil, unlike any other that you will see in the scripture, Satan challenged God, and God accepted the challenge. Satan said, Job is only serving you because he is living a blessed life. And furthermore, you are protecting he and his family and all that he owns. So what can I do to him? Job 1, 11 through 12 says, God speaking now. He says, but now stretch out. I'm sorry, the devil speaking. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So this is what Satan does when he's, a, as an accuser of the brethren, he comes up before the Lord, and he says, why don't you just back away from that little protection that you have for them? They're only serving you because they're living in a nice house, living in a nice car, 
They're only serving you because they're able to go on wonderful vacations. They're, you know, they're, they're serving you because they have a comfortable church to go to, padded pews, well, um, air-conditioned heat. They're only serving you because of that. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Why would God accept this challenge? And here's the answer that I have. Because God wanted to silence our great accuser. He wanted to prove to Satan that, any, that my righteous people do not serve me because of the blessings that they receive from me. They serve me because they love me. When trouble comes into our lives, God wants to vindicate himself and he wants to vindicate us by proving to the devil and our family and our friends that our faith is genuine. God trusts you and I to deal with the suffering and the trials that he allows to come into our lives. Somebody say, I wish God wouldn't trust me so much. I just wish he wouldn't. It is our testimony and lifestyle that defeats the devil and witnesses to the lost. Because they watch us through every situation. They watch what we're going through. And they want to know if our God is real or if he's not. Here's a, here's a question for us to remember tonight or something for us to ponder. If Satan is restricted in when and how he attacks us, just as Job, with Job, where God, says, where God sets limits for how far Satan could go. The question is, do we really have anything to worry about? Remember this, Satan needed God's permission to bring suffering to Job's life. Satan cannot just go up in trouble, show up in trouble our lives any way that he feels, whenever he feels like it. Satan is not, is not omnipotent. He does not have all power. His power is on loan from God. I just wish he would go bankrupt right about now and not have any more power. But he will one day. Only God is omnipotent. Satan then left the presence of God and wreaked havoc on Job's family, servants, and possessions. He killed his servants. He killed the livestock. He killed his son and his daughters. And Job's response is something that we should all emulate or strive to emulate. His response when he heard the news of everything that happened from the servants that escaped to come and give him the news. His response was, was so powerful. His response was to worship God. Because Job realized that everything that I have, God gave to me. And even Job said, he said in Job, in Chapter 13, verse 15, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And Job 1, 20 through 22, he says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job understood something. He realized that all the wealth and all the riches and everything that he had, God gave it to him. 
He didn't inherit all that by himself. God gave it to him. And if God wants to take it away from me, he can take it away from me. Because God, he is the one. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He determines what we can have, what we should have, and what we shouldn't have. And the day that we leave this world, if we should leave by way of death before the rapture comes, we can take nothing to the grave with us. Because God has given it all to us. And all this Job did not sin, verse 22, nor charge God with wrong. We must be very careful not to curse God when things are happening to us. But Satan didn't stop there. Because he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy his purpose is to destroy us, but God will never let him, listen, God will never let him destroy us if we are careful to trust the Lord and worship him. God will never allow the devil to destroy you. He will never allow him to destroy me because he doesn't have the power to do it. So Satan once again comes to God with another challenge. And again, the angelic host comes before the Lord, and here comes Satan with them before God. Just want to stop here and say, whenever you are in the presence of the Lord, don't be surprised at what shows up. Don't be surprised if the enemy shows up. He's, he's got a, but God's got a greater plan for you. He will protect us. So he comes again, Job 2, 3 through 6, and then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? I, one day when I see the Lord, I would say, why did you have to bring up Job's name? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. This is God talking to Satan. And still he holds fast to his integrity. This is a testimony now of God to Satan about Job. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And then the Lord once again gives Satan approval and says, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. This is one of the most intriguing places in the Bible to read. This, this whole conversation here, wouldn't you like to be a little either a fly on the wall to see this conversation. This was something else. Let us be careful to make sure your, our cry before God is one of praise and worship as opposed to one of complaining and unbelief because the devil is also listening and he would love to continue applying pressure to our situation, especially when we are complaining and not believing. We will hinder our own deliverance if we don't trust in God. The psalmist in verse in Psalm 121, he wrote, I will lift up mine eyes to the hill from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. God will give us strength in our suffering. In this messianic Psalm 22, David cried out to the Lord in his distress, but he also provides a perfect template throughout this Psalm as, how, as to how we should deal with trouble. In verses 1 through 2, we read it. We said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he cries in the daytime. He cries in the evening in verse 2. And he said, I'm not silent before you, but why are you not hearing me, Lord? And David cried out, as David cried out in his suffering, he's asking God, 
why have you forsaken me? And you see where Jesus on the cross, where he cried out to God, he said, my Lord, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is not, it is not evil, it is not a problem when we cry out to God in our suffering. He expects us to cry out to him for, his, for our help because Jesus did it when he was on the cross. So there are times we will feel like all has forsaken, everyone has forsaken us, but God wants us to cry out to him. In Psalms 50 verse 15, it says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Most of us have not suffered to the extreme like Job has. On a daily basis, people throughout the world lose everything. The recent earthquakes, earthquakes in Turkey is an example of that, where people just lose everything in a moment's notice in just a few seconds. But perhaps you've lost your health. Some are sitting in this place tonight or experienced great financial loss. Perhaps you've grieved the death of a child or grieved a child rejecting the Lord. Perhaps you have betrayed, you're betray, you've been betrayed by a loved one. Perhaps you have experienced persecution for your faith or been constantly attacked and undermined at work for your faith. Or perhaps you have experienced the acute suffering of being unable to relieve the suffering of someone you love. God knows your suffering. In verses 4 through 5 of Psalm chapter 22, David recalls how God delivered his forefathers in the past. God, David was reminding God, God, you did it for them. You did it for them. And then you cry in verse 5, he says, they cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. Then we, when we go down to verses 9 through 20, David pours out his heart before God, telling him what he is going through. And in verse 21, David cries out, you have answered me. Now the Bible does, the Psalm does not give the time period that David, from the time David cried out to the Lord to when God answered his prayer. But the, the template there is cry out to the Lord, remind him of how good he's been in the past and trust him to bring you an answer because he will. So, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my, right, with my righteous right hand. That is a promise from God. When we are first aware of trouble in our lives, we should go, we should, God is, our, God already saw it coming. We should go directly to him because God is omniscient. He has the power to know all things at all times about all people and everything on this planet and in all the universes that are out there. God knows that he saw your trouble. He saw my trouble before it even showed up on our doorstep. He saw it coming. And he knows the answer for it. He has the answer and relief for us. He knows where you are tonight and what you're going through. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 8 says one of my favorite scriptures in the verses of scripture in the Bible because I've relied on it so much in my own life when I was going through my own struggles and tribulations and trials and I'm sure I will again. 
Because as long as we live in this life, we will always at some point or the other go through trials and tribulations. Verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Be with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and will guard your mind through Christ Jesus. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. If you want, if you need help in time of trouble, think on those things that are noble, those things that are pure, those things that are just, those things that are lovely, those things that are of good report. We've got to train ourselves to focus our minds on those things that are wonderful in the sight of God so the enemy will not get room to take us out. So when we cry out to him, he has been well aware of what we are experienced. We can be confident in knowing that God is in control of everything. And I don't know about you, and I, don't, I, I, know, I know about me, I have no idea if God and the devil ever had a conversation about me. I have no idea. I'm not going to put myself on that level, but I know I've been through some troubles and some tribulations in my own life. But whether or not that has happened, I believe the devil will at the last bring up the church as a whole. He will go before God to bring up the people of God. I don't know, maybe somewhere in 2019, God granted the devil permission to unleash COVID on the world. I don't know. This is just a maybe. Maybe he went before God and said, your people are doing well. They're living in a time of prosperity. They are richer than ever and are able to have more material things than ever. In fact, the world on a whole is enjoying greater riches and prosperity that, than it ever has. Will your people remain faithful if you allow me to plague the world? And maybe the Lord said, permission granted. So when all of that ensues, God watches. He has confidence that his children will put their trust in him. When trouble comes into our life, God watches us. He has confidence in us. He will, we will stir up the gift. We just need to stir up the gift of God that is inside of us and place our trust in him. And sometimes our struggles are due to the Lord Almighty testing us. He comes. God will test us. He will not tempt us, but he will test us. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 12 says, But O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous and see the mind and heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for I have pleaded my cause before you. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. God tests us and he has a purpose in his testing. We will suffer. We will go through suffering, unfortunately. But God is right there with us. 
I know we're in revival. God is pouring out his spirit and in, in, in right here in this nation. He's doing great things around the world. He's wonderful things, great testimonies of people coming to the Lord. But that doesn't mean that our testing is over. It doesn't mean that our trial is over. What it does mean is that God has not forgotten us because he's not a God with a one-track mind. He still sees you and I. So although sometimes we will see our brothers and our sisters getting blessed, although we will see this good thing and this great thing happening, remember that God has not forgotten you. He's not forgotten any one of us. If we always have our way, the deliverance will be temporary if we just work it out ourselves. So then after a period of time, we will go through it again. When we allow God to deliver us, he makes it permanent. He said to Moses and to the Israelites when delivering them from their suffering, from the hand of the Egyptians, he said that you will see their faces no more. You will not see them anymore. They will not bother you anymore. God has delivered them. And I want to read Psalm 27 for you tonight to give us hope and to under, help us to understand that God is with us. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. That word confident, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set, my, set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore will I offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If we wait on the Lord to deliver us through our sufferings, he will. He has not forgotten us. God loves you and I. He has not forgotten about you and your suffering. The fact of life now is that, as I mentioned before, we are in revival. God is going to do good things to wonderful people, and he wants, he's going to do good things for all of us. But sometimes it's just our time of testing while it's somebody else's time of jubilation. That's how the Lord works. And I, I will... 
when I was going through at times in my life, went through some struggles and some suffering of my own. And I would just go drive home from church wondering, God, where are you? Why aren't you delivering me? Why aren't you helping me? I would hear testimonies of people being blessed, God doing great things in their life, and just wondering, Lord, where are you? And for just a, a period of several years, just asking him why. And I remember one particular day, the Lord answered me with the answered me, and he gave me uh, a thought. And it wasn't a thought that you would expect, but it was a thought to trust in him. And he, but he puts it this, he put it this way. He said, Joseph for 13 years did not complain. He didn't complain. And I said, okay, Lord, lesson learned. Understood. It's not what I was expecting, but it's true. And as I draw to a close, the musicians may come. God has not forgotten you. As I mentioned, when you see others being blessed, do not believe for a moment that he has forgotten about you because he has not. We rejoice with those that we rejoice. We weep with those that weep. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we pray for each other, and we encourage each other. And sometimes, you know, when you're going through that suffering all by yourself, nobody else can. It's only you and God, your head on a pillow, and the tears flowing and wetting that pillow. And it's only God that understands and knows because everyone else can only do so much. We can only pray, but God remembers you. God will, has you, he has you in mind. We rejoice for everything that is happening. And we are here to pray for each other. And even when you are by yourself, God remembers you. When you are all alone, he, he sees you. He has not forgotten you. Job 42 verse 5 says, after Job had gone through his problems and, and he was the Lord, he and the Lord now were in a conversation with each other. After, and Brother Mark, Karecha, you and I spoke about this a few nights ago. At the end of Job's, at the end of Job's life, and not the end of his life, but at the end of his suffering, God did not explain to Job why you went through the things that you went through. God never said, well, you know, the devil had a conversation and I had, to, um, I had to accept his challenge. Never said that. He just explained to Job, Job, tell me, who did this? Who did that? Where were you? And where were you when I did this and when I did that? And at the end of it, in, in Job chapter 42, verse 5, I love what Job says. He says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. My eyes sees you. To me, that meant Job was saying, you know what? I had a good life. I had a blessed life. But now that I've been through this, I understand you so much better. I am so much closer to you. And that's how God uses trials and tribulations to bring us closer. They serve a purpose in our lives, for our lives. If you will all stand with me. I want you to consider somebody else in scripture who at the end of his life went in confidence to meet God and that is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, prepare you the way of the Lord. Repent, the Lord is coming. 
sends his disciples to Jesus and says, are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus sends those disciples back to John the Baptist and he says, do you tell John this? Tell him that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus never said to John, it was worth it all, John. You're going to be okay. But I believe that he didn't need to tell John that because I think when John was about to be beheaded, John went into eternity with a smile on his face and saying, I know now. I am confident in the Savior. Now I know who he is. I have confidence that he is the one. And when we go through our trials, that is what God wants to leave, wants us to leave our tribulations and our trials with. I am confident in you, Lord. I went through it. You brought me through it. I am so much closer to you. So as, you, as we go through the trials and tribulations of our lives, remember that you're not by yourself. God is with you, and he will pull you through. He pulled Job through. He pulled John the Baptist through into eternity, and he's pulled many people in this congregation through. God is able. As we come to this altar tonight, I want us to pray and just ask the Lord, Lord, give me the strength to trust in you. Give me the strength. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're waiting on God for, just come to him right now and say, Lord, I don't know when the trial is going to be over, but I just wanted you to give me the strength. If you don't do it, if you don't meet the need today or tomorrow or next year, at least give me that confidence to know, Lord God, that you have not left me alone. God, let us pray for that confidence from the Lord. Let us cry out. If you need to cry out to the Lord tonight for him to meet needs in your life, just as the psalmist said, cry out to him. He will hear you. Trust him. Remind him of what he's done for you. And he will do it for you and I tonight. Oh, let's cry out to the Lord tonight. He will hear.